big beat manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. Most people just go around nodding to the last opinion they heard, don't they? I agree. Excuse me, Melvin. Is one of you getting in? Bye, then. Bye. Thanks for a lovely afternoon of French cinema. Au revoir, mon ami. Indeedy. This is all so fucking sophisticated. See you tomorrow. A demain. No, you demain. <laughs> Why is that funny? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 46, Man Jam. My name is Sean, and I am in loco parentis. And my name's Laura, and I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I think that's our president. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I'm a teacher, so I should be the one in Loco Apprentice, really. <laughs> um, so how was your bank hol? Oh, your bank holiday's tomorrow, right? Yes, so it's the bank holiday weekend. It's been really nice. The weather is gorgeous. We've been up to... Um, we've been up to Stratford today with everyone else in London, I think. And um, we went to a like a museum of books for children so it's like a like a, a museum about stories and it's all you know it's like a storybook so you go into the you start in a wood and it goes into like an enchanted village and it's really cool we had a nice day oh that sounds awesome did the it girls have a good time yeah the girls really enjoyed it how's your weekend been oh my weekend's been just fine um i will talk a little bit more about it after we're done, because I just watched a fucking awesome show on YouTube Red that I want to talk about. All right, cool. How are your fe- What were your feelings going into this episode? I'd completely forgotten this was an episode on its own. So everything that happened in this episode, I thought happened in bits in other episodes. Do you know what I mean? Me too, because I was watching this episode with Nicole in the room, and I just kept saying things like, Oh, I forgot this happened in this episode. I forgot this happened in this episode. And all pieced together, I was like, wow, what damn good episode. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but, I, but I'd but i sort of forgotten about it. So, yeah, that was, I'm exactly the same as you, that I'd forgotten it was an episode in its own right. But enjoyed it, enjoyed it more than I remembered enjoying it, and enjoyed it more probably than my rating would say for when you mm. guess later on. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to have a think with my thinking cap on that one. <laughs> okay. All right, and so, yeah, let's go ahead and kick this thing off, Um, and we kick it off with some nice music, like, that's one thing about this episode, is that I really enjoyed all the music in it. Yeah, so did I, so um, we're in the flat, and Jeremy, Hans, and some other guys are jamming, and Jeremy is thinking about how great it is that he and Hans are in a band. Which is weird, because they've had a lot of bands together, so Exactly, they've always been in a band, haven't they, but maybe this is a particularly good band. Yeah, um... And yeah, so they're all like, uh, they're all just going to town and man, they're having, the music sounds great. Everybody's sounding great. Jeremy is of course a little annoyed here because he has to play the saxophone and he has no fucking idea how to play the saxophone. Yeah, I really identified with this because I always wanted to be musical as a kid and I am not musical. Like, I haven't got a terrible singing voice or anything. Like, I don't make cats come calling when I sing but I've got no musical ability. So I played the violin, well, 
had violin lessons in primary school for years <laughs> and still could only play about one tune on the violin. And then I had piano lessons for years at secondary school. Was slightly better at that because the piano is more of a machine you can make work rather than a like an instrument you have to get a tune out of. But still not good. So I really identified with Jeremy wishing he could play the sax, saying he could play the sax, but not being able to play the sax. Yeah, I thought this was really funny. And um, he's like super upset with the guy on bongos. And he's like, how come I can't fucking play bongos? <laughs> um, but he realizes... Anyone can bongo, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he realizes that a saxophone is just a giant metal kazoo. And so he's just like, fuck it. Let's, let's do this. And he just squeaks, makes a horrible like squeaking sound on his saxophone. It's very funny. Yeah, um it's horrible and he thinks he can't back out of it now because he sort of started so he does it again and that's when Superhands asks him to stop jamming because it's not good yeah i love how he just doubles down on the fact that he can't play the sax and just like fuck it i'm going for it <laughs> yeah i mean that is the thing about jeremy isn't it that he's got unending sort of faith in a way it's quite endearing it's quite an endearing character trait that he always sort of thinks things will be all right and it's almost like he thinks that if he just carries on trying to play the sax. Maybe he'll get good at the sax. Yeah, maybe magically, all of a sudden, he'll just know how to do it. Yeah, I yeah. do love that about his character. Yeah, it's it's endearing. So um, Superhands asked him to stop jamming, and and Jeremy says that you can't ask someone to stop jamming because it's against jam law. And uh, that is where Hands comes out with the immortal line that this is not jam, it is fucking marmalade, and <laughs> that he needs to stop. <laughs> Yes, that's a great line. Uh, makes me laugh every single time, just the way yeah. he says it. Like, that's not jam. It's just total fucking marmalade. <laughs> so Jeremy stops jamming, but says it is because it was his own choice to stop jamming, as his jam is complete, um, just to save face. Yep, I love that. He says, you know, I'm going to stop jamming now, but because my jam is complete and I wish to have tea. And as he's walking into the kitchen, he's like, I'm actually going to have a coffee, assholes. <laughs> Um, we then move into scene two where Mark is walking down the street with a, an empty buggy. Um, he's thinking about how he's got to have the equipment when the baby comes to stay. So we assume, I guess, that he's just bought this buggy. Um, but he says he feels like a maniac with an empty buggy, which I completely get because on occasion I've walked down the street with an empty buggy, say, particularly when we just had one child. And if, say, Phil would take Sadie back to the car or something like that and you'd be left with the buggy in a shop and you'd feel like a nutcase who just, as Mark <laughs> says, had just abandoned your baby. Yeah, um, I've never had this experience before, but yes, I could definitely see how awkward that would be when you're walking around with no buggy. Yeah, or, or, excuse, you look me, like, excuse me, with a buggy but no baby. You look like, I don't know if you get this here, yeah, where you are, but this is a thing you see in London routinely, like old ladies who take a buggy out for their dog. Or old ladies who take a, a like a beat up old buggy out to put shopping in or something like that, and you feel like, yeah, I look like one of those crazy old ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, I we've se I've seen those around here, especially with the people with the dogs in them. Yeah, it was always a really sickly old looking dog as well in a really beat up buggy. <laughs> yeah, the dog's fur is all grey, and he just looks like he's exactly got this the look sort of, of like dog kill that... me on his face. Yeah, it looks like he's got mange, that sort of dog. Yeah. Um, next, we went to a scene that I particularly enjoy and have always enjoyed. But we go to the game store, and Mark and Gerard are hanging out there. So, Yeah, so Laura, the welcome return of Gerard. Go yes. on, yeah. Yeah, excuse me. The welcome return of Gerard, definitely. Now, Laura, 
This store is called, or what? This store is called, was called Leisure Games. Do you think it is still open? Well, you just said was, so no. Ah, I tricked you. It still is called uh, <laughs> Leisure Games. It is still open. It um, is still I, open. I did say. Where is them, it? Uh, it is on 100 Ballard's Lane in Finchley, London, England, UK. N is in Nancy, 3, 2, D is in Delta, N is in Nancy. Mm, okay, so yeah, I'm not going to be going, but it's good to know they're still open. Yeah. Uh, I did send them a message on Facebook and I asked them what it was like to be on Peep Show. Um, my The exact message I sent to them. I was wondering if anyone could tell me anything about what it was like to have Peep Show filmed at your store. How did that come about? Did you guys meet David Mitchell? Do you still sell FDR, Stalin, and Cyberman dolls in pristine collector's packaging? Did someone get back to you? Uh, no, they were closed when I messaged them. So oh, I'm, that's a shame. And they are closed tomorrow because of your fucking bank holiday. So <laughs> oh, I, hopefully someone will get in touch next week. Yeah, during Beautiful Mind, I will hopefully, fingers crossed, be able to get Have back in touch with you. Yeah. Um, this scene, man, I always think back to like whichever episode it is in series one where Jeremy finds the uh, White Dwarf magazine. Oh, of course, yeah. And, Take off my bobkin and my jerkin. Yeah, yeah. And I love this little like little character trait that Mark has where he's like a giant nerd. But the thing that I get really disappointed about is that you never see him actually kind of embrace that side of him. Like, do you think that's because of Jeremy? So do you think... So my personal theory is that Gerard is, is sort of introduced in this way so we can see what Mark would have been if Jeremy hadn't been an influence on his life. But I think that Mark has been sort of conditioned by Jeremy to not express that side of his personality. Um, I definitely could see that. Like, he has so much contempt for it, but yet he, like, engages in it. I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think it probably is that kind of weird thing where he really does like it, but, like I say, through social conditioning, whether that be Jess's influence or something else, he's just realised how to be, like, normalo enough to get by and not be like Gerard, if you know what I mean. Normalo enough so that he doesn't get firebombed by the normalo Nazis. But <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Exactly that. Not normal enough that uh, he's a functioning human being. Yeah, precisely. Um, so they... <laughs> Jeremy... Or Jeremy, Jesus. Mark is asking Gerard, like, what the big news is, why did you need me to come out here, etc., etc., etc. And um, we find out that Dobby has a boyfriend. Yes. Uh, Gerard is clearly very pleased to be in possession of this information because he does like a little dramatic pause and Mark says, don't X fact to me, Gerard, which is a very funny line. And uh, he, yeah, Gerard reveals that he, that Dobby has got a boyfriend. He's called Simon. He's younger, slimmer, better looking and more fashionable than us. And Mark thinks us, I'm several social ranks, you're senior. <laughs> <laughs> That was Which one... I think is true. I do think Mark is several social ranks, Gerard Senior. That was one thing I loved in this entire episode is this this utter contempt that Gerard and Mark have for each other and the way that they both just play it off as, you know, a thing that they have to engage in just to get to Dobby. Yeah, they don't like each other. They're not friends. Yeah, like I really enjoy some of the scenes later on with uh Mark and Gerard. Yeah. 
Um, so they start talking about Simon and um, he and Mark asks what he's like and Gerard says that he's a graphic designer which they both scoff at and make some, some nasty remarks about graphic designers um, and then Gerard reveals that he drives an Audi and again they say some unpleasant things about Audi but Audis, but um, Mark is thinking the whole time that he wishes he was a graphic designer and he wished that he had an Audi. Yeah, and then uh, Gerard says... Maybe this is a wake-up call. Maybe for guys like us, Dobby was always a pipe dream. And Mark is just, you know, affronted by that. Don't pull me into your filthy bathwater. I'm a player. And then Gerard <laughs> drops a very shocking piece of information, which is the truth is, until 26, he was a virgin. Yeah, he'd never been with a woman. And Mark says, you do surprise me, but thinks you've been with a woman, which I think is a great little... Uh, little piece of information about Gerard and also we've all been in that situation where someone has revealed something like that to us and we've thought yeah I can see that here's my question to you Laura do you think Gerard is still a virgin and is lying about losing his virginity um I'm gonna say no because I think that he that 26 is a very specific age so that's probably based on some sort of truth what do you think I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Unless he's like 26 now, although he's not looking great for 26, so... Yeah, maybe he is. Maybe he's 27. <laughs> I can't imagine what woman would sleep with Gerard, I have to say, other than Dobby. And it's never it's never confirmed, is it, that Dobby does has slept with him? I don't think that that has happened. Because it's been a while since I've watched some of the later episodes, I don't remember. Do Dobby and Gerard ever have any sort of like functioning relationship outside of them being friends? I don't think they do. I think Gerard's always pursuing her, but I don't think that it ever comes to anything. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, that was what I was thinking happened. I think even Dobby's got better taste than to sleep with Gerard. I don't know. She is obsessed with. Or she does seem to like Mark. That's true. I mean, it is bizarre, but Mark is, as we've established, several social ranks, Gerard Senior. So maybe in the geek race, which Dobby clearly is like the queen of because they all love her, that she even she can see that, that Mark is, <laughs> is a step above. Yeah. Um, Mark talks about this time when he was in university. Um, he tries, you know, he starts like kind of pumping himself up in that, you know, he was like some hot shit in university and he talks about how this time he was trying to get it on with this chick and it was getting nowhere so he pulled out the old palm reading routine and he makes sure and tells gerard you know physical contact and um you know says oh we ended up going over to to my place and um you know we really got it on and gerard is just like eating this up and he's like oh oh god really and then mark thinks then I talked to her about my mom's suspected infidelities until I cried. <laughs> this really reminded me of, so when I was in my first year at university, when we lived in halls, I was on a night out that, I don't know why, but it's like, for some reason, a couple of people couldn't get into the club because they didn't have their ID. And then we went to the pub and then it was like, people dropped off until it was just me and this other guy who shall remain nameless. Um, and I had no interest in him whatsoever. 
but it was just me and him and we got left together and it ended up with he was like oh i've got some i've got some booze back in my halls or whatever should we go and sit and like we we had like a communal living space in our halls so i said i'd go and like have a drink with him in the communal space because i thought that was safe but then we were alone there as well and he started crying once we got back telling me about how he'd been dumped by his girlfriend from school who he'd been going out with for like three years and then he was like oh but i really like you and it's like you're still crying mate this is not this is not sexy so <laughs> I'm, Im- I'm imagining that's what went on here for mark as they're as they're getting ready to walk out of the store, Gerard notices that they have a Stalin action figure or a doll. I guess it's more of a doll than an action figure, but um, he notices they have a Stalin doll. And Mark is like, "Oh, oh, the detail's not too bad." And Mark's like, "Oh, Jesus!" He's thinking to himself, "You know, danger, Mark, danger." And Gerard's like, "It's okay, Mark. They're not toys. They're just models of historical interest." <laughs> well, look, FDR. And as soon as he says FDR, Mark is just, like, gets totally sucked into it. And um, he says, he thinks to himself, I do want this FDR doll, but it is crossing a line. Oh, my God, my heart's racing. It's like when I bought my first 20-sided dice. At work, I've got a friend who I actually tweeted some stuff about him this morning because he was doing a 24-hour board game thought. I saw that. And um, he, he does that. He does game, board games and stuff. And a kid had left a dice or diet in my classroom, like a normal one. And it was left on a six on my desk. And I thought it was some sort of calling card. Like I thought this was, I was going to get murdered. And I took it down <laughs> into the staff room and I've said, this has been left on my desk and like put it on the table. And he was like, oh, at least it's not a 20 sided one. And I laughed like I understood what he was talking about, but I didn't really. So I'm glad that you've explained what they're actually used for. I knew they were a thing, but not what you did with them. Yeah, they're... Uh, when my wife and I started playing Dungeons and Dragons about a year ago, I was like, oh my god, I'm so excited I get to help you go out and find the dice, and we went to the game store, and she was like, oh, I'll just take the pink one, and I was like, no, 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 you have to roll it a couple times, you have to make sure it feels, you know, good in your hand, like... Uh, I mean, this I mean, Mark is right, the, the geek race will get will get taken out by the Normello Nazis in the end. Yeah. And they'll get firebombed and <laughs> do the world a favor. Um, so, um, I think I, I said to you, didn't I, that I had been watching this episode for eight years or however long, however old it is, and I never realized until now that FDR was Franklin D. Roosevelt. Yep. And I, um, I was when I was Googling this, I found out that when Peep Show wrapped in 2015, Sam Bain, one of the writers, took some things from the set for posterity, and one of them was the FDR doll, so he has got that in his house now. <laughs> I wonder if he has a Malta uh, uh, reenacted with the Cybermen somewhere. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but I realised this was stupid because, of course, it's... I mean, it's obviously when you look at it, but I, I guess I'd never looked at it. I think I just filed it away in my brain under stuff I didn't need to know about. So I just thought it was some sort of, <laughs> I thought it was some sort of geek thing. I thought it was like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, one of those things. And I didn't really need to know about it. So it, this has made me look harder at what I'm watching anyway. Yeah. Um, so basically they decide <laughs> to get the Stalin and FDR and they go to the front counter and they tell the guy, you know, they want FDR and Stalin um, Mark says that his son is, it's for his son, he's a big fan of the New Deal, and as the guy is going up to get the, the dolls, Gerard also asks for a couple of Cybermen. Do you know what Cybermen are? Uh, they from Star Wars? No, ma'am. Are they from Star Trek? No, ma'am. No, I don't then. Doctor Who. 
Oh, okay. I, I you should have, have got that. You have just lost all of your... <laughs> you might as well just turn in your British card right now. So my sister, she's a, she's a member of the Geek Race. And um, she loves Doctor Who, so I should have known that. But I, I've forgotten. So um. I also like when Gerard makes sure to say that they're not for playing with. He's just going to keep them in the mint condition in the boxes. And the guy behind the counter just looks at him and is like, of course you are, mate. <laughs> yeah, um, the guy behind the counter here is worth noting. Uh, I don't think you would have got to that episode yet because you stopped at series one, didn't you? Is uh, He plays Wolfie in The Inbetweeners. He's only in one episode, but he's epic in the episode he's in and plays a large part in that episode. So great to see Wolfie getting more work. I don't know what he's done since. Um, and w- when we talk about the in-betweeners and we get to that episode, then you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But when this when this aired, um, I think yeah, the, yeah, I think it, it aired at a similar time to the second series of the in-betweeners, and I remember being like, oh, it's Wolfie. <laughs> uh, see, that ruins my illusion because I assumed that this guy was an employee of the store. Afraid not. Sorry. Yeah, uh, that's that's a heartbreaker here. <laughs> Um, next scene, we have we have a, just some random nameless cafe somewhere with Zara, Ben, and Jeremy. And it starts off with Ben, who is... Oh, God, he just looks like such a twat, this, twat, excuse me, this entire episode. <laughs> and he just says, we wanted to say thank you for being there for Zara while I was unconscious. And one thing that never really jumped out at me before that didn't really make sense until this rewatch is... That this plot, this line makes zero sense. Like, Jeremy wasn't there for Zara at all, outside of maybe the last hour of his coma. So, why Yeah, would... you're right. Actually, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. That's bizarre. I mean, he's making it sound like that Jeremy was some rock for Zara to cry on, and that, you know, he did all this, you know, good stuff for her. He bought her a coffee. He thought about slipping, slipping a roofie in it, and then <laughs> he read... Um, a little bit of FHM. I mean, it's like all he fucking did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're completely right. But I, I clearly this is they had to get him. They had to bring these characters back somehow. So yeah, but you're right. It's stupid. Um, <laughs> whilst Ben saying this, Jeremy's thinking, "How can I steal your girlfriend? How can I steal your girlfriend?" And <laughs> and then Ben says, and I think this is a brilliant line. I tell you, though, at my pace of life, sometimes you just need to pull a coma to chow down on some serious chilling. And I've met so many Wanka City Boys who that is exactly the sort of thing they would say. When I was about 18, 19, my two best friends, they didn't go to university initially, and they worked in the city, which is a very common thing to do here, is straight from school to the city and worked in banks and worked as secretaries. And um, we used to go out a lot in the square mile, so the area around sort of Moorgate and Liverpool Street, which is the big, like, the financial hub of the city. And we got chatted up every Friday night by so many absolute wankers like this who would say things like that, and you'd have to go, oh, really? Oh, you must work so hard. And it's like, oh, Ben, you're such a twat. What I love is that there's no slow build. You know, there's no, like, oh, maybe Ben's a cool guy, maybe he's not a cool guy. You just are instantly like, Jesus Christ, this guy sucks. (laughs) I really enjoy as well how it would have been really easy for the trope to be that he would be the trope to be sort of trotted out that he was in a coma that's really sad and like oh but thank god he woke up he's a great guy no he's a twat we wish he died like he's just an (laughs) idiot yeah oh my gosh I love 
yeah, I really, I do enjoy Ben. Like, man, he's such a great just little foil to Jeremy. And um, yeah, Ben is very, very fucking funny. Um, and I love that Jeremy's next thought is, I liked you more when you, a lot more when you were unconscious. That was a great look for you, Ben. Yeah. Uh, ben says that he wants to show Jeremy some gratitude and, um, and uh, that he wants to make him an offer. And Jeremy hopes it's a threesome. And, uh, but he thinks like, oh, but that'd be like offering, being offered a tiramisu and a dead kitten on the same plate. <laughs> Yeah, um, actually, the offer is that he um, that Ben works for a, a music website, um, and it's got a five-figure figure hit rate, um, which he says, "Hey, I must be doing something right," and he needs someone to do website management for him. But like a five-figure hit rate's not really that impressive to me. My sister's blog about building her house was getting like was getting a five-figure hit rate, so yeah, yeah it's exactly. not really that it's... impressive to me. It's not, it's not fabulous, is it? But he, he's clearly proud of it. And Jez thinks that he doesn't want a job, but then feels this is an offer he can't refuse when uh, Zara says that she doesn't work there, but she's always there. And um, really, he's going to be focused on keeping the portal ticking over, but he'd also get a pop for developing new artists. And Jez, that's music to Jez's ears. He thinks he would be head of the label. And uh, Jeremy thinks to himself, this is brilliant. I could do the job, have an affair, and juggle them both till all they bl they all blow up in my stupid face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would have thought you would have learned about affairs as he's only, like, weeks out of the affair with Elena. But hey, clearly, he has learned nothing. Yeah, yeah, he has learned nothing. Although he did it, I mean, I'll be honest, he did do a pretty good job of balancing his affair with Elena. Did he? He got caught. No, but the only reason that he got caught was because he copped to it. Mm, I guess that's true. I, I, yeah, I suppose. I suppose, yeah, they've been least less successful affairs. I mean, maybe in all actuality, he was actually emboldened by the relative success of his affair with Elena <laughs> to pursue this affair with Zara. Yeah, he's seen it as the way forward. Although, it doesn't he say in... Didn't he say in... Um, Oh, what was the last episode of Series 6? Um, das Boot. Yeah, doesn't he say, what's wrong with him? Why does he keep getting dumped? So I think he does. I don't think he really wants to be having an affair. No, I don't think he does either. I think in Jeremy's perfect life, he would have some hot wife that just wants to have sex all the time. And that's yeah. all he would do is just bang his wife 24-7. And, and smoke weed with her. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, and maybe bongo a little bit. But, I mean, really, Nancy was his perfect woman, wasn't she? But he fucked that up. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Nancy was exactly the woman that he deserved. Mm, there you go. But, um, so, yeah, this is, um, this is what he's going to do now. He's going to do that job. And we cut to Apollo House with Mark Jeremy and Gerard. Jeremy is walking into the house thinking about being head of the label. I love this how he's thinking to himself, oh, yes, Shakira, you're very much too poppy for my taste, but maybe if you suck this, I might put you on my label. Like, This is one character trait that I love about Jeremy is just what a maniac he turns into whenever he gets any like modicum of any authority. He just turns into such a fucking asshole. It reminded me, it was a little bit of a callback to at the beginning of, I believe it's in the first episode, maybe the second episode of series one, where he's thinking about when he wins his Grammy and the speech he's going to give. Oh. Do you remember that? He says something like, this is to all my 
um, to all my boys that back in Richmond or somewhere ridiculous who've always been so so kind to me. And um, and he's thinking about how he'd accept the, the the Grammy. And again, it's as he's coming into the flat. So this is clearly a thing he thinks about quite often. I don't rem. God damn it! I don't remember that. I'm gonna have to it, figure it out. It does which... happen. Yeah, I can't remember what episode it's in though. Um, this also really made me laugh because there was a brilliant, uh, really funny Irish comedian called David O'Doherty who you might be familiar with because he's often on things like Could I? Should I Lie to You? and things like that. He's like he does a lot of panel shows, and he I've seen him live a few times, and he does a really funny song about Shakira and about meeting Shakira which I'll have to tweet out because it's fucking hilarious and he also makes reference to the fact that she's too poppy that he wouldn't mind having sex with her <laughs> as Jeremy walks in he sees he hears like noises coming out of Mark's bedroom and Mark and Gerard are sitting in Mark's room playing with the dolls and they're both dressed like very nice you know Mark is in his shirt and slacks Jeremy or Gerard is also in his shirt and slacks and they're like playing with the the dolls and everything, and Gerard is making these little noises. He's like, doof, 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 doof. Like a little Basically, laser. they sound like two four year olds playing with toys, don't they? And they're yes. sitting on the bed doing it. And um, and Mark says that he feels uneasy about the noises, which I get. I think that two thirty plus year old men should feel uneasy about those noises. What I like is it's not the actual act of playing with the doll that bothers him. It's the noises. <laughs> yeah. Do you girls ever play with their dolls together or are their dolls like sacred and the other one is not to touch the other one's doll? No, no, they they play with the doll's house together and they do do like, well, Esther doesn't because she can't really talk properly yet. But Sadie does do the little voices. So, yeah, that, that's the girl equivalent, I guess, of this. Do they ever have the cyber? Do the Cybermen ever attack the dollhouse? <laughs> no, we don't have any Cybermen. So I mean, like Sadie's the driving force behind the toys at this point because she's the one that can ask for what she wants. And she, despite the fact that we really made an effort when she was little to dress her sort of neutrally and buy her gender neutral toys, she has gone mad for princesses and glitter and fairies and anything girly. So we have nothing like that in our house. Jeremy just like <laughs> casually says, "Like, oh, sorry to interrupt you, boys." <laughs> and Mark, like, just quickly, Mark looks like his mom just walked into his room and he got caught, like, jerking off. And he's just like, uh, we're not playing. We're just arranging our models with some noises. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he says, anyway, what are you doing back from your job if you've been fired already? And uh, he's and Jess says, no, I'm, I'm back from work because I've got the coolest job in the world. And Ben is the coolest boss in the world. He, he says, I asked him when I should come in tomorrow. And he said, whenever you can make it. His motto is, the work never starts. And Mark just thinks, what's his annual turnover? Typical Mark. Yeah. And Jeremy doesn't give a shit because they don't make money. Money makes them. Which, <laughs> again, sounds like the kind of thing that you'd hear some douchebag Wall Street guy say. Yeah, definitely. That is a city boy expression, if ever I heard one. Yeah, that is a city boy expression, I for sure. Uh, Mark asks what that even means. Jeremy says, it means I'm going to go light up a fatty and crack open my brand new Xbox. Good luck with your regression session. Mark tries to defend himself by saying, you know, this is fine. This is normal. Um, I'm arranging a model of the greatest liberal, liberal hero of the 20th century. Is that less cool than pretending on a computer that you're a Russian pimp stealing imaginary cars? He Jeremy just says, I don't know, dude. I don't make the rules. Enjoy playing soldiers and wanking over Dobby on Facebook. And with this, 
both Gerard and Mark just look utterly repulsed that Jeremy would even say that. Yeah, he's uh, he's like, oh, and then he asks if, um, he says, have you ever actually gone that far? And that's when Gerard says that he has, hasn't actually gone that far uh, once Mark has, has admitted that, you know, on occasion he has. Yes, I love this little conversation that they have and Gerard just says, Corfu 06, question mark. It's cool, man. <laughs> I've never actually gone that far myself, but everything's cool in Dolby Club. Yeah. Oh, God. It's so creepy to me to think about. Oh. Real creepy. Real unpleasant. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if... I would have to be so unbelievably desperate to take that step. And even then, I think I would feel like utterly disgusted about it. Pornography is a thing, guys, and it's free. That's that's all uh, I'll I say. I fucking know. <laughs> like what? What possibly? What, how sexy are these pictures? Yeah, who knows? I mean, maybe she was at a topless beach. Is I don't know. Is Corfu <laughs> a topless beach? No, Corfu is a Greek island. I can't imagine that. It's oh got, yes, obviously. Yeah, Sorry. I can't imagine that it has got much of a. Maybe it. Ha- oh, I don't know. But and anyway, it's it's Dobby. She's. She's got no tits anyway. Like I can't see that this is these photos are going to be that sexy that they would inspire such admiration. Next, we go to the Lord Carrington Pub, which I, Laura, I fucking looked everywhere and could not find anything about this goddamn place. Yeah. So uh, after actually looking up who Lord Carrington was and finding out that he was the Foreign Secretary in Margaret Thatcher's first government, I've decided this must be a joke because there's no way they would name a pub after this guy. Like. What's he done? Yeah, I didn't... I have no idea what you would name a pub or why you would name it after him or anything like no, that. No, like, pubs are normally named after very important historical figures or animals. <laughs> or, like... Or, or animals myth- on historical animals. <laughs> yeah, or, like, myths and legends. Oh, so shit. Like- Laura, Blair on a bear. <laughs> Blair on a bear. That's the pub I should open. I should jack teaching in and open Blair on a bear. We do the best uh, washing machine and cr- cider or ale or whatever it is that uh, mead that Superhands wanted to serve. Let me just ask, uh, does England have some sort of a trademark system? Because we should probably trademark that name. It does. It does have a trademark system. We should definitely copyright that. Blair on a bear. I can even imagine the sign. I can imagine like a painting of Blair on the bear. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> I'm having a good. I'm ha- I'm laughing so hard over here about this idea. Um, so if we have if we have any graphic designers, if you want to design the logo for Blair on a bear, <laughs> please, 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 please let us yeah, know. Yeah, we'll pay you a hundred thousand pounds for the squiggle. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It is Let's not. Mark, uh, Mark says that they get paid. Uh, so I'm just going to do this contest right now. I just came up with this. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to have a Blair on a bear contest. The winner is going to get, I don't know, the equivalent of £10 or $10 <laughs> paypal to you. We can pay you £10 paypal for your best Blair on a bears, please. Yes. Extra points if you make them on like Microsoft Paint or something retro. Yes, we are going to do this. This is a, a real contest, and we're going to tweet about this uh, 
the day the episode is released. Good idea. Can't wait. <laughs> um, I might enter myself, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you're part of the you're part of the staff, so you can't. Oh, win. the terms and conditions mean I yeah. can't win. I still might enter just for the banter. Oh God, maybe I will too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so inside the pub, we have Man Jam, and they are just rocking the fuck out. Like they're playing the Home Train Dentist, which is the song that we play every time the episode at the end of every podcast Dobby is just like dancing like a complete wild woman with her boyfriend Simon and Simon just is dancing right along with her yes uh, this song is actually my ringtone for my my close associates so when so even when my phone's on silent it will ring for my husband my parents my sister and the girls nurseries um, and this is what plays which sometimes gets some funny looks at work if I'm in the office <laughs> Man, I, boy, you taught me something today. I'm going to have to see if I can set something similar like that up on my phone. I only know, I only know how to do it on an iPhone, I'm afraid, but I'm sure there's a way you can do it. It's very useful. Occasionally not so useful if it rings like in class when I'm teaching, but then if it does, that's because it's someone important. So it's fine. I'll stick well, outside. I, I would never have Nicole like yelling at me like, didn't you hear your phone ringing? No, sweet pea, I keep it on silent. I can just... <laughs> Keep so, on silent, but it would ring for her. Yeah, so I've uh, so we have a similar argument in this house, but I found a way on find my phone or find my iPhone to make Phil's phone make a really annoying ear splitting sound even when it's on silent. So he he knows, so he knows to he knows he needs to answer it to me now because I'll just make it make that noise until he picks up. That's super funny. Yeah, that's uh that's marriage. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Um, Simon here is played by, I don't actually know his name, but he is, along with Gerard, they are two of the players in Horrible Histories, which is a um, a children's TV show over here, or it was, um, which is absolutely brilliant. If you've not seen it, I recommend you go and find it because it is fabulous. It shouldn't just be for children. Um, and Simon is played by Matthew Bainton, yeah, who was also in, um, he's been in loads of things. He was also in a very funny comedy on Sky One a few years ago, which was called The Wrong Mans. And very weirdly, the main character in it, so the fictional main character had my husband's name. So for a while on Twitter, and Facebook and stuff, he kept getting tagged in things because he was the main oh character in this God. show. Phil yeah. Bourne, that's insane. Yeah. yeah, it was really weird. And he was like, what? Like, what? And we hadn't watched it, so we didn't understand it. And then it was like, oh, it's the main character in this thing. Wow, this guy's been in a lot of stuff. He was in Drunk History. Yeah, yeah, he is. But he's brilliant in Horrible Histories. You should look for the horrible on Twi on um, YouTube. They've got the Horrible Histories prom from a few years ago, and it's like a stage show that they did at the BBC proms for children, and it's brilliant. It's like an hour and a half of genius. I sometimes just put it on in the background to laugh, and feels like that's for children. I'm like, well, I was a child <laughs> once. <laughs> um, but what's not cool is that Mark and Gerard decide to go sit down with Dobby and Simon to go be relationship commandos and wreak havoc on the relationship from behind enemy lines. Yeah, um, Dobby says thank you for tipping us off about tonight. And she says that the band are incredible. 
and Gerard says, yeah, we saw you dancing. And Simon then says, hang on, what, you really like them? I thought we were dancing sarcastically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What a dickhead. What a dickhead. Um, But this is music to Mark's ears. He starts to think that the cracks are starting to show. Yep. And uh, so he tries to like, yeah, he tries to kind of needle a little bit. And Gerard says, you know, oh, isn't that funny when one half of a couple likes something, but the other just doesn't get it. And Dobby just quickly responds, well, you know, opposites attract. And Mark thinks to himself, the cracks are starting to show. The cracks are starting to show. We then move over to the bar where Jeremy walks up to Superhands. Um, we've seen Jeremy previously in just briefly in this scene he's wearing the most ridiculous pair of sunglasses to the point that well, I had it on and Phil wasn't really watching it but he sort of looked up at that point and he he laughed out loud and was like that looks like a blindfold those sunglasses are preposterous I really love whenever you see from his POV when he has the sunglasses on how everything is darkened <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, he says so Jeremy says to Superhands that since he was invited out of the band uh, he's got this new job. And Superhands just kind of rolls his eyes and he's like, yeah, uh, uh, we've heard you got this new job, um, but it's great that you could make it down. And um, Superhands is like, uh, you know, bit of a weird one. We had to invite you out of the band. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. And Jeremy just says, yeah, well, eggs is eggs. <laughs> and <laughs> thinks to himself, is that a thing? <laughs> um, so Superhands is... is- quite interested to hear this that he's got this development pot and he says oh what so you might sign us but then he's like like i even care but clearly he is interested yes uh again this is like my i love slight amount of power asshole jeremy because he just is you know he's like uh yeah you guys are on my radar and he's like haha i'm the emperor now (laughs) and he's like yeah but you know the the look's not really working for me Superhands wants to know what kind of look they should go for, and Jeremy, you know, says, I was thinking, I don't know, zoot suits. Yeah, and he's like, zoot suits, and, and Jeremy says, yeah, definitely zoot suits. And also, he doesn't like the, the name. Um, Superhands is sad to hear this, because he likes man feelings. He says it's their USP because they're all men and they've got feelings. <laughs> but, um, but Jeremy says, no, he's thinking of something a bit more distinctive. Yeah. Is this like the, the, I feel like this is three out of four episodes where the initials USP have been mentioned. Yeah, it has come up a few times now, hasn't it? This was clearly their buzzword in the writer's room. I know. I feel like that somebody in the writer's room was like, oh, I was at some seminar and they said USP and we should work this acronym in as many times as we can. Yeah, now I know what a USP is. We're going to keep saying it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then... uh, Superhand says, you know, so, like, what name were you thinking? And Jeremy just says, Danny Dyer's Chocolate Homoculus. <laughs> Do you have Danny Dyer over there? Do you know what Danny Dyer is? Uh, I feel like we've had this conversation before. I feel like he's an actor or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like lo- he's like a low-rent kind of, like, geezer. I think he was maybe in Snatch or Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, one of those. But he's now best known for being in EastEnders. He's been in, which is our second longest running soap opera. He's been in EastEnders for about, oh, five years probably now. Oh, interesting. He is shit. He is a shit actor. He was on Who Do You Think You Are? And it turned out he was related to like Richard III or something ridiculous. And Twitter just melt had a meltdown because he's like a proper <laughs> cockney. And it was like, well, if Danny dies related to Richard III, we're all related to Richard III. Like... <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Uh, 
uh, Superhands wants to know if changing the name is a deal breaker. Jeremy says it could be a deal breaker, it, and it's certainly a game changer. And he thinks to himself, oh, I sound so important. And then um, he says, suit yourselves, boys. I've got other fish to fry in my frying pan. And he thinks to himself, sweet exit line. Oh, and as he says this, he like flips his sunglasses back down. And he's like, now to find the exit. Oh, I can't really say see a thing with these glasses on. And then he just bumps into the bar. And he thinks yeah. to himself, oh, can I turn that into a little dance? No, play it cool. <laughs> Um, then Superhand says to him, if you sign us, I'll persuade them about the suits and to go with the name. And um, he says, deal. And then Jez says, you know, there's one other thing that your bongo guy is no good. You need an, a, a shit hot bongista, is how he puts it. And I think <laughs> I know where I can find one. And he does this little like bongo thing on the bar and then slaps hands around the face as the final part of the bongo is so well executed. Yeah, it's very, very funny. I just like uh, that. I never knew that a person that plays the bongos is a bongista. <laughs> no, I think that's a great term for a bongo player. I think bongista is what my bong in high school was nicknamed. <laughs> I think that Jeremy has also really overestimated the role of the bongista. I think most bands could get away without a bongo guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, I don't know. Let's not go crazy here. <laughs> Somebody's got to keep rhythm. <laughs> yeah, but on the bongo, I don't know. Anyway... Han seems happy enough with this idea. Yep. Uh, we go back to Gerard and Mark, and Mark is actually giving Gerard props here because he says, nice work bringing up renewable energy, Gerard. And Gerard uh, says, you know, simple little bit of research. And um, so- Someone's winning out of climate change. Yeah, someone's winning out of climate change. And uh, he says, you know, listen, Mark, we ought to decide, you know, if this breaks down, which one of the Dobby Club gets first dibs? And uh, Mark says, yeah, okay. And they agree to flip a coin for it. And um, <laughs> I love this where uh, Mark starts to kind of get a little neurotic. And he's like, this will be our Yalta. I'm Wiley Stalin outfoxing sickly FDR. Wait, except is FDR dead by Yalta? <laughs> Gerard's Truman with the A-bomb. Yeah. Um, the then, Gerard then asks Mark if he'll do heads or tails. And Mark says heads, obviously. I completely got this because in a heads or tails situation, I will always go heads. What about you? Uh, so my trick is to see which side the coin is facing up. You've got a trick. This happens so often in your life. People are always challenging you to heads or tails that you've got a method. (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) That's more sensible than I just go for heads because I think heads is better. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I'd go for, I I don't know. I mean, gun to my head, I'd say tails. I don't know. Oh, really? Heads are just yeah. head. Maybe it's because the queen is on our heads, but heads is just heads is just superior. I don't know why I think that. I just do, and it's unshakable, and I completely understand what, why Mark says it. Yeah. Um. I what I love here is that Mark thinks to himself, "If I win, I win. If I lose, I'll simply ignore it." <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you, Mark. That's exactly what I would do. Uh, And like I said earlier, I love this interplay between Mark and Gerard because they both know they're going to fuck each other over. And this is all just a giant show. Yeah. And they, you know, really, they should be friends, but they're almost too similar. They can't be. Yeah. Uh, We go back to Apollo House and Mark is looking at Dobby's Facebook page. Was it really jarring for you to see the old original layout of Facebook that they haven't used in like 
years. Yeah, it was like, oh, when was this film? 1936. Like, I was really, like, <laughs> yeah, like you say, just really jarred by it. Oh, uh, it was so weird. It's also so really weird when you see, like, your old status updates from, like, this time in history and you, you, because I think that the status updates used to say, <laughs> I like, am. Oh, no. I am. It, they used to be used to do them in the third person, didn't you? So yes, yeah. Yep. So yeah, like you say, when you get on your time hop and you get your old status updates, they don't really make any sense. Yeah, like you did, it'll just say like I am, and then it'll just say going to a club tonight or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The fuck? Yeah. Why didn't I write a complete sentence here? Yeah, is loving the new album by whoever was popular oh. by Scouting for Girls. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, is loving yeah. the is loving the new Iron Man movie or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They like you say they're really jarring to read. Yeah, um, Mark is a little concerned because Davi hasn't updated her Facebook page in seventy two hours, and uh, he says, "Is this a little bit like stalking? Stalking's a very loaded term. I prefer to think of it as extreme liking." Yeah, that's. I mean, I can't. I don't know about you, but I definitely had someone that I extreme liked for a while and i look back and i think oh yeah that was stalking that was really stalky jeremy walks into mark's room and he just kind of plops down on mark's bed and mark just is like are you tripping and <laughs> jeremy says oh ben rang up at seven and he wanted me to go into the office and mark just kind of throws it back in his face but i thought work never starts and jeremy says yeah but it apparently never stops either <laughs> poor jeremy he's found out that the grubby world of work isn't just smoking a fatty and playing uh whatever it was that he was playing on X the xbox yeah i find it funny that jeremy has all these dream jobs and they always just blow up in his face like you know he had the awesome job with the orgazoid but you know he had to give the orgazoid hand jobs um <laughs> he had the great job at the record company but then he you know fucked that up by telling the band that their new album sucks um, i mean i did think that when he said about, like, oh, it's the dream job, when he says that to Mark when he's with Gerard, I did think, has the orgazoid hand job thing taught you nothing? But clearly not. <laughs> clearly Jeremy doesn't learn his lessons. Well, we know that from the affair nonsense. Yep. Um, Jeremy says that he's got a Blackberry and turning it off is a sackable offense. <laughs> if he goes to the funeral, he can switch it to Vibrate. And then they have this long conversation about how the website is actually about merch. And Ben says, I'm all about the merch. Cut me and I bleed merch. Um, and then Jeremy says, you know, if, I, if I'd if i known what an asshole he was, I would have at least given his tube a little wiggle in the hospital. And Mark says, you know, murdering your enemies is quite a simple solution, which is, I guess, uh, which I guess is why in ethics and law, it's so frowned upon. Yeah, good point. Um. He says that, that Jeremy then goes on to say that it wasn't like Ben was even there. It was just him and the servers. Um, but after a while, he started to pretend that he was a robot. But then he couldn't remember whether he was a robot or not. And he got scared. So he's left. But he has nicked Mark a load of manila envelopes, which again made me laugh. Because any station where I can steal, I will do. I've, I've learned well from my mother, who's always got a well-stocked cupboard of manila envelopes and labels and things she can <laughs> she can steal from her job. Um, as he walks over to give Mark the manila envelopes, he sees, I think, unnamed baby at this point, right? Yeah, because don't think we know he's got a name, yeah. Yeah, because the christening hasn't happened, but we see unnamed baby in the baby carrier next to a shredder, and Jeremy just is like, ooh, is that okay there? 
by the Shredder? Can babies go by Shredders? And I love this. Like, I feel like Jeremy actually thinks the Shredder might come to life and just <laughs> devour the baby whole. Yeah, but I like as well that Mark says it's the safest place for him because it's a stable temperature. He's underneath the desk, so if there was an earthquake, that he'd be he'd be sheltered. And um, that yeah, it's, it's great. It's the perfect place, and it's just. I love that Mark's thought about it. I love that the baby's got a thermometer in there with him so he knows exactly what the temperature is. I really love new dad Mark because he starts talking about how amazing the bond is. And he says, earlier I was changing him and he pissed all over me. No ill feelings, nothing. And Jeremy just says, wow, because you're pretty uptight. I mean, you hate people pissing on you. And I always really enjoyed the implication of that line, like that it's something that's happened. (laughs) Yeah, he's been pissed on by Jeremy and he didn't like it. Or maybe our president. I don't know. (laughs) And then Mark says, uh, if you went for me now, if you went for him now, I'd stab you. And Jeremy says, oh, that's nice. And he says, stab you in the eyes. And Jeremy's like, all right, well, don't take too much pleasure in thinking about stabbing me in the eyes. Yep. And then Mark just says, hey, watch this. And he gets up out of his chair and he picks up a cushion. And he's like, okay, pretend this is the baby. And he grabs the buggy. And in five seconds, he converts it from buggy to like, carrying sized buggy i don't know yeah i mean this is a thing so when you have a baby or when you're gonna have a baby when you go to buy the the pram this is something that happens so in the shop the assistants will show you how quickly you can fold a buggy down now i've had children for almost four years and i have never had to put that buggy down in a hurry i can't really imagine why you would i mean mark says oh if you were waiting for a bus but I've just you put the buggy on the bus. You don't you don't take it down. Cause where are you going to put the baby? So, yeah, this is something that happens, and I think it's to appeal to the dads. I think it's to kind of make them feel there's some sort of speed challenge element of having a baby. But there really Technology. isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't need to know this. It's not a thing. Jeremy just is kind of wants to get the fuck out of there. So he asks Mark, uh, you know, if he would like a tea, and Mark's like, oh sure. And, Uh, Jeremy goes to the kitchen to make some tea when he discovers they are out of milk. Yes, they are out of milk, but not all the milk, just the cow's milk. Yeah, Uh, Jeremy thinks he doesn't want to drink black tea, he's not some kind of monster. And he sees Sophie's breast milk and he just thinks to himself, hello, the human cow. And he just puts (laughs) little squirts of breast milk into each of the teas. Give me just a second here, okay? Okay. God forbid we close a fucking door in this house for more than five minutes. <laughs> that is minutes. one pissed off cat. Oh my Jesus Christ. Were you able to hear him by chance? Yeah, yeah, I could hear him really loudly. Okay, great. Wonderful. <laughs> um, and yeah, so then Jeremy puts just like two little squirts of breast milk into each of the tea. Now, I just wanted to ask you, how disgusting is this to you on a scale of one to ten? Like not that disgusting, but I've but I've breastfed and I've been around breast milk, so I don't doesn't really bother me. Does it? Do you think it's disgusting? Uh, for me, it was like a three. I think I could probably force myself to do it. Nicole was on the scale of a seven. See, I don't think. I mean, I would definitely would drink my own. Like I've tried my own. I definitely would drink my own. I don't care about that. I don't think I'd really care if it was someone else. Like actually. When I like, I don't actually drink cow's milk because it doesn't agree with me, and I drink soy milk. But I don't think that the idea of cow's milk is that nice when you really start considering it. So I certainly don't think human milk is any, like, more disgusting. <laughs> it's all gross. No, uh, I yeah, I think so too. Do you know what I it, mean? But it, I don't think I'd react in the way, especially as, like, Mark 
I know he's not with Sophie at this point and he reacts badly when he finds out, but he's he's had sex with her and that's his baby and that I, I just don't think you'd get that hit up about it. So as Jeremy is carrying in with the tea, Mark is just like, come quickly, come quickly in here. I have to show you something. And we see a picture on Dobby's Facebook page of Dobby and Gerard at a bar or at a pub yes. together. And Mark is yes. not happy about this. No, he says he's making a mockery of the uh, the pact. He's doing the dirty on me. He's blaring me. And Jess says, you're no brown. Your hands are made of flesh and blood. To which, um, <laughs> to which Mark has to remind him that Gordon Brown didn't really have an iron fist. Okay, um, so can you explain this joke to me? So Gordon Brown was the Chancellor of the Exchequer for years. So that's like the money guy. Um, and they're, they're not the... So the Deputy Prime Minister, I guess, is like second in command, but not really. The Chancellor's the most important guy aside from the Prime Minister. So Blair and Brown were like a... Uh, they were a twosome. They came together. They were uh, in government for a long time together. So they were... Prime Minister and Chancellor for like 10 years and Gordon Brown's like nickname was the Chancellor with the Iron Fist um, and Jeremy obviously has thought this is real and says was there something wrong with his arm but there wasn't Gordon Brown's blind in one eye that's what he's thinking of so he's Jez is mixing up his disabilities and obviously thought that Gordon Brown really did have an iron <laughs> hand <laughs> that's really funny um, <laughs> as Mark is drinking the tea he's all of a sudden he's just like wait a minute there's no milk in the fridge I couldn't have any Sultana brand. And Jeremy's just like, oh, yeah, we sure do. And Mark is just like, oh, oh, God, this is Sophie's milk, isn't it? And just, like, spits the tea out and just starts freaking out. Yeah, he thinks he says it's one step away from cannibalism, which I'm not sure it is. Um, and and Jess makes the very valid point, I think, that it is, it's weird to drink milk from someone you know, but to drink the milk from another species, some cow that you've never met, is fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had forgotten that all this stuff with the baby and the breast milk happened in this episode. Yeah, me too. I think because the baby's not seen again, really. Oh, no, we do see the baby again, but the baby's not been seen since previously. So I'd forgotten that the baby was in this episode, to be honest. Yeah, I had, uh, when I was watching this, when Nicole walked in, I was like, oh, this is the one where Jeremy puts breast milk in uh, the tea. And Nicole was like, ugh. So... Um, <laughs> So, anyway, so Mark and, Jer and Jeremy, they decide to go find Dobby and Gerard with the baby. Um, so, they find the pub, and in the next scene, they are sitting in the car. Jeremy's happy because he's just texted Ben, said he had to go to a funeral, plus I've got the squits, and you're in a bathroom having a breakdown. Threw a lot of shit and see what sticks. Mark is very upset with Gerard because he's the worst kind of snake in the grass. He's Mark yeah. says it. Obviously, I portray him like that. And Jeremy says, but he didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Jez then, uh, no, sorry, Mark then sees that Gerard is doing the palm reader. So he is holding Dobby's hand and says that he's using my dear. And Jez says, you taught him the palm, but I taught you the palm. And Mark's like, yeah, well, he's screwing me now. Uh, I love this where he's, he says... He's juicing my balls. He's trying to screw her with my cock. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, um, Jeremy's mobile phone rings and he sees that it's Ben. He answers the phone and says that he's still at the funeral. Um, this really made me laugh because I had a job. So uh, when I was when I was in the summer between whatever I was doing, some job and in the city and then doing my teacher training, I worked in this wedding dress shop. 
and the, I can freely talk about this now because the, the owner's just done a moonlight flip to America with everyone's money and no wedding dresses. So he's persona non grata uh, at the moment. He was the most terrible person I've ever met. And considering I was the part-time, <laughs> the part-time girl working in this wedding dress shop, like making buttons and sewing on hems of wedding dresses, he absolutely just led all of his employees a dog's life. And he had this the big thing about that we should never not answer the phone to him. So if he called, even if it was midnight, even if it was a day we didn't work, we had to answer the phone. And looking back, I just think, why on earth did any of us not just tell him to fuck off? Like, no one needs this job that bad. But I, I, I identified with this, and I can see that Ben is a horrible man to work for. Wow, that's crazy. So yeah, so any time of day, no matter what was going on, you had to answer the phone? Yeah, what if there was like a wedding dress emergency? Like, of course we had to answer the phone. Yeah, he, okay, he, okay, he was a fucking, sense. fucking psychopath. Like, just looking, like I say, looking back, you would not, you would not take that from any employer. But, you know, we all did. We were like, oh, okay, better answer the phone. Lunatic. Oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah, he was a nutter. And I think Ben is in the same mold of nutter. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. At this at this point, baby Ian starts to cry, and Jeremy just says, "Yeah, that's just a baby. Obviously, at the funeral with me." And he leans over and he's like, "Don't worry, little one. She's in heaven. <laughs> Mommy's in heaven now." And he thinks to himself, "The baby doesn't have a clue what I'm talking about. It's fine." <laughs> um, Mark approaches Gerard at this point, who's sitting at the table alone because Dobby's gone into the pub to get more drinks, and he says, "What are you doing here?" And Mark goes the whole, like, betrayed, kind of, like, hurt, wounded. He says, I could ask you the same question. And Gerard says, well, Dobby didn't have anyone else to come with her, so I volunteered. And <laughs> Mark's like, how incredibly thoughtful, and then calls him Brutus. Yes. Uh, he calls him Judas initially, and then he calls him Brutus. And then he says, you ve know very well we have a deal, but he can't think of another person that is a betrayer like that, so he just calls him a double Judas. <laughs> And Gerard says that nothing's going on. They're just having a drink. And Mark then says that I think we both know that that's not your intention. Once you've uh, finished these, and he holds up a packet of pork scratchings, uh, I think you're going to try and supply it with another pork product whose name I don't think needs to be said out loud. Which begs the question, does Mark know the name of, of uh, Gerard's cock? <laughs> oh, God, I hope that's not a conversation they've had. Oh, God. Mark officially dissolves Dobby Club at this point, and Gerard asks, what about the HMS victory? Mark says that he can complete the victory alone without his assistance, and Gerard just says, oh, you can't handle the rigging alone, and Mark has this great dagger to the back line where he says, you had your chance to help with that rigging, and you blew it. <laughs> we then cut back to Jeremy still in the car on the phone to Ben, and he says that He's obviously moved on to the sort of music business and he says that he's going to sign the band after the gig. He says, I hope that people might affectionately call them the homunculi. Yeah. And uh, he says to ignore the shitty comments, they were all made by the same 30 to 40 people, so they don't really count. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we cut back again to Mark and he's now sitting on his own on the bench and Dobby appears and says, what are you doing here? And uh, where's Gerard? And Mark says, unfortunately, he was taken ill. He had to go. Yeah, this whole little scene, this little back and forth between uh, Dobby and Mark is so 
very fucking funny. Um, Mark is trying to explain that he is Ger- he is Gerard's backup, and Gerard had to go, and that there's always backups because he's got Jeremy, and Jeremy does this like little goofy little wave out of the car. Dobby just is mildly freaking her noggin at that point. Mark I'm- just honestly decides to come clean and just says look we have a club about you but it's not a real club there's no clubhouse and there's only two of us it's more like a shared passion um and then uh davi is just like jesus fucking christ this is so weird yeah um he says it's sophisticated it's like the sunday times wine club and she says what so gerard's not ill and mark says no more than usual but he agreed (laughs) (laughs) he agreed to step us aside to let me have a pop and Dobby's like a pop is that not a pop like a go a turn and he realizes that he is just digging and digging himself a deeper hole at this point yeah but uh the baby saves him at this point because it in the script it says grizzle but I never knew what I never knew that was an actual term for something but the baby starts kind of cooing and Mark is like oh are you hungry or one of your dirty protests and then he asks Dobby if she wants to smell his baby she says yeah. the new baby smell is amazing. It's like caramel and roses. Yeah, um, you've asked in your notes, do babies have a pleasing aroma? People do talk about the new baby smell, but it's not something I'm familiar with. My children were both born in heat waves, so they just smelled like sour milk and sweat, which is not very appealing. <laughs> Maybe babies born in the winter smell nicer. Yeah, I, I've heard this rumor before <laughs> that babies have a very uh, uh, distinct smell that's like kind of unique to them that the mom is supposed to know. And that apparently moms are able to while blindfolded, tell their baby apart from other babies by smell. Yeah, I think, I, I think I would know my children's smell. And I think as well, there's a thing that you can tell when they're unwell because they smell off. So that sounds really strange. Now I've said it out loud, but I've heard that this is a phenomenon as well, that like when your child is poorly, they give off like a sour smell that the mother can smell. And I definitely have smelled that. So Maybe there's something in it, but I don't remember them as newborns smelling particularly pleasant. Um, at this point, uh, um, Dobby just realizes that Mark is trying to be genuinely nice here, and they end off. They and she asks, "If I say yes to you, will you stop saying things which are turning my stomach?" And then kisses Mark, and Mark thinks, "Like, oh my God, I've won! I'm resigning from the FDR Cyberman conflict." And. Yeah. We get to the last scene, which is another long scene, but we're at a pub. Um, Danny Dyer's chocolate homunculus is all set up to play, and um, Jeremy is there, and he's talking to Super Hands. And Jeremy just wants to know, like, hey, you're sure these are zoot suits, right? And Jeremy or Hand says, yes, these are zoot suits. And then he says that they drove all over the place, and he had to spend 530 quid on zoot suits. Which five hundred and thirty quid is also the amount that Johnson proposed to Jeremy to bang Big Sue's. Maybe this is a private joke of the writers that something significant has cost five hundred and thirty pounds in their life. Um Maybe then, it's number wing. Maybe it is number wing. Um he then says that uh Jess then says that he's got the contract, um and Superhand says that he only signs in blood. <laughs> um at this point, Zara walks in, and Jeremy's very excited to see Zara, and then Ben shows up, and he's like, oh, great, Ben. Um, while he's talking to Zara, Ben, or excuse me, while Jeremy is talking to Zara, 
Jeremy mentions that he's a musician, and Zara says she loves musicians. Jeremy says, oh, you must love me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she's surprised to hear that he's in a band, and he says, I told you that I was in a band. And she says, yes, but you also told me you were a poet, and then you couldn't find your exercise book. And that line really makes me laugh. Um, then Ben obviously comes over, and Jez is unhappy to see him, but, you know, it tries to be pleasant because he's his boss. And then says to Zara uh, that the men need to talk business, but go and get yourself a drink and get me one for me. Mine's a large one, as you fucking know. And he does this horrible laugh. And we just, the audience is left in no doubt that Ben is a complete cunt. That line makes my skin crawl every time I hear it. <laughs> the way it's delivered is so disgusting as well. Oh my God. And bring me a large one, as you fucking know. <laughs> even even Nicole like recoiled at the horror of that line when she Ben is just horrible. It's not it's not the first and not the last time that Ben is just skin crawlingly dreadful. Like I said earlier, I'm very glad that they didn't make Ben like ambiguous, you know, like is he an asshole, is he not an asshole, but that they just leaned hard into the fact that this guy is horrible. <laughs> yeah. He then says that he's not going to be signing these twats. Uh, he listened to the link, they're shit. And do you even know what homunculus is? It's one of those tiny humans that mad scientists keep in jars. They will not be able to make any decent merch out of that. I like that Jeremy thought it was a chick born with a dick. <laughs> uh, ben says, who wants a homunculus on a baseball cap? Um, and <laughs> Jeremy suggests maybe goths. Uh, yeah. Um, Jeremy is very unhappy because he thinks he's got to fire himself and he wonders how they're going to take it. Superhands at this point has bitten the tip of his finger and has signed in blood and there's blood all over the contract. Um, I wonder if that actually was blood because it looks very realistic. I thought this, I was like, oh, I've never noticed that before, but that properly looks like blood. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll, uh, I'll, I'll ask Matt King about that if he gets back to us. So, <laughs> Um... He says, Jess then says he's been thinking and basically we're a great band, but, you know, if I could sign us, I would. I could sign us a thousand times over, but he doesn't think that, that we're hungry enough. And then Ben says, did you fire them yet? And Jess says, I'm firing them now. And and Hans is, just goes into a rage. He says, you can't fire us. We fire you. You're fired. And they just get into this back and forth. You're fired. You're fired. Yeah. Um, at this point, uh, Hans gets on stage and he says... Danny Dyer's chocolate homunculus is dead, but man feelings are back. You are about to witness the rebirth of man feelings. And then they start to play home trained dentist again. Um, we have a very funny scene where Mark and Dobby are sitting there at the bar and Mark is just wondering, you know, is she thinking about Simon? What's she thinking about? And he keeps trying to ask her questions, but she's really not giving him much feedback. No, um, she's, she looks a bit bored. I don't know if it's because the music's loud or whatever, but she's sort of just, you know, staring into space. And Mark says that it's impossible to think, know what's going on in her head because she doesn't have to tell him the truth necessarily. Mark's just realised how other people's thoughts work. Yes, I love this. And uh, he wishes he could have some sort of device that he could hook up right into her head that he could <laughs> analyse whether she's telling him the truth or not. And uh, he finally just asks her, you know, what are you thinking about? And she says, oh, I was just wondering how long the cider craze is going on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, yeah, Mark is just clueless with women. And this is this is the first sort of sort of the first um, 
time we see, I think that this just isn't going to work out for him and Dobby. I think it's quite clear here and now that he's useless with women and this is going to be no exception. Yeah. Um, Jeremy is trying to slide onto the stage at uh, to rejoin the band. And he's, it's funny because he's standing there with his foot on the stage and he's like jamming out and Super Hands keeps looking over at him and like flashing him dirty looks and Jeremy just kind of gives him this look of like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Um, his hands eventually just stops the performance and he just says, I just want to clear something up. This is the band. We are the band. This is where the band ends. Anybody outside of the band, however they may be dressed is not part of the band. And yeah. um, then uh, Zara looks like a little betrayed because I think maybe she thinks Jeremy lied to her. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think just at this point, Superhan says something to the crowd and addresses them as maybe it was earlier. I can't remember if it was here or a bit earlier on, but he addresses them as Broccoli, which is a place in Southeast London. And Phil cheered because he used to live in Broccoli. He was very pleased to hear Broccoli be represented. <laughs> I totally miss that. He is an absolute shithole. Phil wanted me to clarify for anyone who wasn't aware of the place that Superhands mentions that it is not a nice place. And he had knew of at least three stabbings on the street he lived in in Broccoli. So don't go there. Okay. Well, I will. Uh, when Nicole and I go on our tour of peep show locations in <laughs> London, we will skip Broccoli. I mean, I know all of London is apparently like one big stab zone, according to your president, but Broccoli more so than oh, most of it. Oh, I didn't want to bring that up, but I was thinking <laughs> about that too. But anyway, the music starts again, and uh, we we cut back to Mark talking to uh, Dobby, and he says that he hopes that their, rela- their relationship isn't going to affect her friendship with Gerard. And then I love this because you see Gerard and he's like outside of the pub and he's like staring through the window like just the <laughs> saddest man alive. And um, Mark thinks to himself, "Ugh, the ghost at the feast. I'm going to kill you, Gerard. Kill you till you're dead. And so he decides to drop kind of this ultimate bomb on Dobby and he tells her that she should take the Corfu 06 photos down. And she says, Corfu 06, why? And he says, Gerard sometimes admits that he looks at him and does a, and he makes like a wanking motion with his hand <laughs> yeah. and Dobby's just like ugh, ugh and Mark is just like, I know and then he thinks to himself, never pick a fight with Stalin Gerard Uncle Joe doesn't play by your rules <laughs> which uh. I had forgotten about this line but it makes even less sense that Dobby is all obsessed with Gerard later on unless it's more from like the health perspective i think it's i think when she becomes concerned about him later on it's more to do with the fact that he's sort of sickly and she's a caring person because she also um she is nice to simon isn't she when his mum dies so i think it's sort of showing a kind of a kind friend side of dobby rather than anything else yeah okay i could see that i i could definitely see that she's a kind person she is a kind person. An annoying person, but a kind person. An, an annoying, but kind person. <laughs> I could see that. I definitely could see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that was a great episode. I loved it. Yeah, enjoyed it. Well, di- didn't really remember it, so not more than I remembered it. But, yeah, it was it was a, it was a nice little surprise to have a, a good episode, sort of, where I kind of didn't have any thoughts on it. Yeah, um, that's how I felt, too. And, I mean, I can tell just by the length that we've been talking about it that we both really enjoyed it 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it a good one. Great use of super hands, and you know that when super hands is used well, I'm always happy. Yes. Yeah. He's used sparingly in this episode, but he is used to perfection, in my opinion. He is. So, where do you think this came on my list? Okay. Well, oh, man. Uh. I need to start keeping track of which numbers I've already picked. I should I should actually like give you the list of what, what the ones that I'll do that this week. I will type up the list with the mm. ones that you've already we've already done yes. on so you can see. Boy, this feels like a very familiar request that I've made. I have several made times. you have made this request. I I promise I'll do it this time. <laughs> it's because it kept it's kept by the computer and I just ne- like I never think to do it. Let's see, where would this episode fall? So you said it, you rated it lower. Yeah, uh, lower than I would if I did it now. Let's see, I'm going to go with 30. Oh, not far off, it's a bit lower. It's 38. Oh, 38, okay. 38, but I think I would put it probably higher, like in my maybe top half at least now. Oh, you could flip it with Das Boot. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I misremembered it. Every time I hear misremembered, it just makes me laugh every time now. <laughs> I'm um, just putting, I'm putting the list on the pinboard so I see it, and then when I see <laughs> it, I'll think, I'll type that up. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed this episode a lot. I thought it was super funny. Um, it was a great, like, I could, I could see myself as, like, uh, this was episode aired what eight years ago, so young twenty nine year old Sean just being like, "Oh, what a great like one two punch to start the start the season with Saint Hospital and Man Feelings." Like, yeah, I am. Um, I've been very happy with the season. I yeah, I so I was sort of when I was googling about FDR and everything, I was reading a few things and Den of Geek have a very good sort of series of reviews of this series of picture and they really liked it and I'd forgotten and it, obviously they were written at the time and I'd forgotten how funny I found this series at the time so I think it was popular I think people did enjoy it yeah well I mean after season six you know yeah, uh, yeah exactly and the Jenna Geek they say that this is they feel this is the series that puts it into kind of like the classic British comedies uh, I could, yeah I could see that mm, yeah um so Anyways, I know I talked a little bit about this, but I wanted to just talk about it a little bit more now that we're done talking about what people care about. And, <laughs> yeah, um, go on. Cobra Kai, like, man, I know that you said you said you've never watched Karate Kid, but you are aware of it. Like, I think even a person who was a passing fan of Karate Kid could probably pick this show up because they do a lot of flashbacks where they show footage from the actual movies in it um and it's super fucking funny i mean it's it's great because in the show how i met your mother barney actually talks about karate kid and how daniel is the real villain and how he's like such an asshole and oh yeah funnily enough that episode was on the other day i was watching it and laughing because he says something about oh what else is there there's something else where there's a very obvious villain and he there's another film that he says and i didn't understand the karate kid reference but i understood the other one and laughed yeah and it's just it's great because daniel in this in cobra kai is like such an asshole and he is an asshole because he's trying to justify to himself that he's doing good things but he's just being an asshole for the sake of you know 
this guy and him had a beef 30 years earlier and it takes place i mean everything the continuity is super super tight and it's very very funny i really like i loved it it's 10 about 30 minute episodes so it's a very short watch you can get through it pretty quickly um it is on youtube red so the first two episodes are free and if you do want to watch the entire series you have to subscribe to youtube red i was gonna say what is youtube red is that something that we've got over here because i've not heard of it i don't know if i've just been not listening uh youtube red is their like uh paid service so when you subscribe to YouTube Red, you get all their premium Red content, plus all the any video you watch on YouTube is uh, advertisement free. But Nicole and I oh, it's not, it's not, it's not in the UK yet. I'm just looking. Oh, it's not. Oh, it's only in the USA, Australia, Mexico, New Zealand, and South Korea. Oh, well, then I'm probably preaching to the wrong uh, group. However, um. Don't... There's got to be a way for us to watch it. Oh, though. yes, there is. It is very... You could find it online if you look. That's all I'm going to say. Because co- I didn't realize... When's it coming to the UK? Because I didn't realize that I had YouTube Red, so I watched the first two episodes, and then I found everything else available through alternative means before realizing that, oh, I do indeed have YouTube Red. So then I was like, oh, good, I'm just going to watch this. Oh, I'm just looking to see what's on there. So some of these things we that are supported by netflix over here so a couple of these things i know are on netflix but it's been wheeled out in australia for ages so i'm wondering why we don't have it let's say youtube bread uk uh uk launch oh it is coming youtube bread is coming to the uk uh oh maybe it's not coming to the uk Oh, no, it's set to globally launch, including the United Kingdom, in the autumn of 2018, it says here. What was that? I'm sorry, you broke up. In the autumn of 2018. Okay, so in the autumn of 2018, you guys can all watch Cobra Kai. Yeah, how weird, though, that that's really odd. That I suppose we didn't get, um, we didn't get Netflix for ages. I think we were, like, four years behind you guys, so... But I don't know when. Let's have a look and see if it says. I'm just googling Cobra Kai UK to see if it says where we'll be able to get it. Uh, no. Yeah, I think you're gonna have to look for it through nefarious means, UK. People. Yeah. Now you guys know how I feel trying to watch uh, this country. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a Guardian review of it. It just says available on YouTube Red, which isn't very helpful. The Guardian, because we don't have that. Weird. Mm, okay, well, sounds interesting. If you if you have any interest in the Karate Kid, then it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm getting very concerned of how I'm going to shrink this episode down now. Um, any anything else? Um, I just very quickly wanted to mention that. Um, the new series of Friday Night Dinner has started here in the UK. Uh, it started on Friday night and well worth a watch and something I think that you would enjoy now. You've seen some of The Inbetweeners because it stars Simon Bird, who is Will in The Inbetweeners. Very funny little comedy uh, written by Robert Popper, who has tweeted us a couple of times. We've had a couple of little conversations with him. Um, he also, I think he did write for Peep Show uh, towards the end of Peep Show's run. 
it very it's very funny um and it's a very funny comedy about a jewish family who meet for dinner on a friday night and it's now in its fifth series um but it's, it's not really about anything very much like so many british things um it's just about this family who always come together two sons and a mum and dad for friday night dinner and i've got a special affection for it because it really reminds me of my own family um, we aren't Jewish, although we've got Jewish roots, so maybe it's something to do with that. But the family are completely mad. The dad's always taking his clothes off because he's too hot. The mum's got a perfect hair like my mum. And the two children are just disappointments to their parents. So it's something I can definitely identify with. Um, yeah, it's just started on Channel 4. If you've not seen any of the previous series, it's all on all four. And I think that it is something you'd enjoy, Sean, so worth a look. I will have to check that out with my awesome iPlayer account. Yes, yes. All right. Well, that is everything that I have. So thank you guys so much. Again, we do appreciate all of our... Um, excuse me. We do appreciate all of our Patreon followers. And thank you guys so much for helping produce the show or helping us produce the show um, through your donations. Yes, and... Um and also, while we're asking for your cash, if anyone has got any extra change that they wouldn't mind throwing at my friend Graham, who did his 24-hour ball gaming this week, he is raising it for the mental health charity Mind, which I know is something that a lot of our listeners will be close to their hearts. So he, uh, we tweeted out the link to his Just Giving page if anyone is interested in throwing him a few quid. I oh, that's awesome. It. He stayed awake for something preposterous like 37 hours he texted me a little while ago to say he was still up because he was trying not to go to sleep and like mess up his rhythms for for work so <laughs> he's been awake since about 2 p.m yesterday wow that's crazy mm. good but, for him you know, it's all all for a good cause so yeah yeah good for him jesus mm. All right. Well, cool. for All right, the El Dude Brothers, we will be back next week with a, another episode that I really love, Beautiful Mind. Yes. I really, really like this one. I'm really excited to talk about it. Oh, me too. I can't wait. All yeah. right. And so we will see you guys all next week. Thank you so much. And, uh, and uh, goodbye. Bye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am. The home train dentist. Ay, 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 